G'day, boys. Welcome to the Coach and Tex. It's episode 21. I've got one word for you. Richmond. Text, uh, how's your weekend, Tex? Uh, I've had the week from hell, Shano, can I say that? But let me just open the batting saying, well done, Tex. Congratulations on a miraculous grand final win by the Tigers. Um, back to back, three out of four on the verge of greatness now. Full credit to everyone involved. An amazing achievement. Well, you can't thank yourself. Your name's Tex. His name's Turtle. So congratulations, Turtle. Bloody sensational. Um, on the, we, We'll get into this a little bit later. You know, but when you mentioned greatness, um, when you say they're on the verge of greatness, well, let's review that a little bit later. Let's have a D&M about that. I'll thank you, you my, boys. I'll give you my view. But uh, how are you feeling, Turtle? Have um, you slept at all? Yes, mate. Just just taking it in our stride down at Tigerland. We do these things quite regularly now, so getting very used to it, Shane. I'm getting very used to it. It's it's not hard to get used to either. Stop shaking your head, Tex. Um, I actually, have you finally entered the meeting? Because that must have been someone else who just um, um, quoted that preamble that we were fortunate enough to listen. It was far too nice, uh, far too positive about Richmond, and I don't want you to jump on board now, mate. So... <laughs> You are now experiencing what Brisbane and Hawthorne supporters have experienced in the last 20 years. So it's a wonderful achievement, particularly this year. And full credit to all involved and congratulations to you. It didn't mm. seem that long ago where Richmond always finished ninth. Well, now they're just controlling that ninth month of the year. They just dominate September. And now they thought, well, let's just roll into October and we'll dominate October. So they don't care what number. What day, what month, they're just the dominating team of this era. And this era has been going for a little while, as we know. And uh, I can't see it changing much. But we'll have a look into the future a little bit later. I knew I, was, I knew I was in a bit of trouble on the night when the Welcome to Country was live from the venue. I thought, this has got the makings of a disaster all over it this evening. <laughs> it didn't have anything to do with the fact that your five legs of your multi had already failed by the time you got to the, the final stages. We'd had anything to do with Richmond or one of our players, mate? Uh, no, that's not true. But at the start of play, I had um. No, you had armory, five... mate. You had armory. Uh, yeah, one of, yeah. only, only in two legs. Yeah, you had four legs going, still alive. Mm. Until, mm. The, until the human meatball hit the first goal. <laughs> that, well, they, every, they killed anyone, a, few, a few of them. Anyone, anyone who watched the Cox Plate during the day would see that it was a great run by Armoury, but finishing mm. second doesn't pay, as Geelong and Geelong supporters would know. And as yes. I found out as well. Correct. Now, now we've got a bumper episode, uh, and I'm going to jump straight to reminding everyone exactly what we're going to be covering off today. So we are absolutely doing a a grand final download. So I know there are a number of our loyal listeners who are, who are Richmondites just like myself. So they're going to enjoy uh, this episode for a variety of reasons, apart from our regular jousting texts. Um, and so we're going to cover the burning issues of the grand final. Um, we're going to have our usual sections, Texas tirade, Texas try, tweeters of the week. Uh, and we've got another special edition of Coach's Corner because for a back-to-back to back to back <laughs> appearance, we've got the great man who's joining us again, Shane. He wanted to come back in and, and I guess personally congratulate me. Who's that? You guys didn't believe me when I said he loves us and Dakes is back. He's back for number four. And I'm not sure if he'll pump your tyres up there, Turtle, but 
knowing him, I reckon there's a fair chance. It's almost time for a renaming. In the off-season, we have to think about seriously considering the coach and Tex and Dakes or the coach Tex and the two Massos. There's, there's got to be something. Well, I did, mention, become... uh, I did mention last week and potentially the week before about the, the rumours going around that I may be um, uh, removed from my role as the coach, the coach and Tex. Well, maybe the Macedonians are about to take over Tex and there's a draft system going on that we are unaware of. No, that no, could trust be, me, well, could, that could trust be happening. Me, Shane, there's no chance the Macedonians have got any hope of taking over anything as useless bricks. No <laughs> chance. I can trust me. <laughs> take it from personal knowledge. There is no chance they can take over anything. Dakes will be and... most successful as a singular Macedonian doing it on his own. He doesn't need any help from any others. We <laughs> could just get Dakes on as a more permanent, and then we could uh, ask for some recently retired media people to come and be our guests. Well. I've done a bit of reflecting this week, as you could imagine. <laughs> and it's no coincidence that we we hovered this program at around the hour. But since Dakes has joined us, we've been lucky to curtail it inside of three hours. So for God's sake, man, can we wrap this up tonight quickly? Because <laughs> so, this is going to be long and arduous. We'll get Mickey uh, on as well. We actually got some very good feedback for last week, even though as one of my... Um, uh, colleagues at work said that um, he didn't mind the fact that it was two hours, but it took him eight um, eight sittings to actually get through the two hours to, <laughs> of, the whole, of the whole episode. So um, shout out to the sand groper, but we'll um, talk more about him in the Twitters of the week because he, he gave me some very specific feedback. Now, I do also, um, w- for those who do tweet, where did I go, Shane? At... The coach and text. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's only taken 21 episodes, but there's such a rhythmic little um, flow to that now. Uh, magnificent. Now, observations. So outside of the grand final, any key observations that spring to mind, lads, that you want to that you want to share with us? Well, Sunday night, rugby, Melbourne Storm. <sighs> and what stood out the most apart from the Storm dominating? Well, I would say the commentators. Yeah. <laughs> but that could be on Texas tirade. I don't know. But uh, uh, one guy is no Gould. Uh, he should not be commentating. Fairly <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's comedy Gould. Uh, uh, just there for you, mate. I love it. <laughs> bang, bang, Tex, you're up. <laughs> oh, come on, mate. Um, no good, that bloke. No. Horrible. Hates Melbourne. Tex, hates have you Melbourne. Chewing always hates Melbourne and it just comes across in his commentary. It's just... It shouldn't be on. I've got to say, it didn't get up my goat as much as it did you two. I mean, you, you kind of grow to accept that from Sydney century commentators who have a great dislike for successful clubs. So, seriously, it was anyway. like having one. There was only one team out there, and that was the Panthers. Yeah, well, I mean, they were on top all year. That is a marvelous effort by the Storm. Oh, we spoke about the Zix, the Vixens the week before, but. That's a wonderful achievement by that club. Not only – now, they are a truly great club because if you look at how long they've sustained that type of run, um, they're one of the greats. But we'll talk more about the grand final in detail. That was that was it. Um, Cox played on the Saturday with no one there. I'm not sure that that lost anything as a viewer when you're sitting at home watching your TV and you're watching sport on TV. It doesn't matter what sport it is. I think we've become accustomed to enjoying sport on the TV – whether there's a crowd or not, I don't think it actually 
um, adds or detracts from what you see on TV. Didn't matter what sport I watched. No, I agree. I agree. I think uh, I think the whole weekend was fantastic. Um, good build-ups um, pre-game the AFL Grand Final. We'll talk about that a bit later, I guess. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> now, what about those bloody media awards that occurred last week? So the goal of the Australian Media Association, whatever they're called, for best podcast of the year was that sack thing by Johnny Ralph and Glenn McFarlane. And and here I am thinking, what the hell? What's going on? What about the coach and Tex? Uh, I sent in a, a four-page submission as to the reasons why we should be um, best new talent um, in terms of podcasts out there. Zero, zilch, nada, nishto. I think Nothing. we're building. Uh, it's about momentum, mate. We're building, and maybe we're a chance next year. Well, they did it in their second season, so I guess I guess that's an opportunity. Shane, what what do you think there, mate? Don't glaze over. I mean, I know um, you're a bit disappointed after not winning that community award, the AFL. Um, which, how, how long did that segment go for? Channel Seven warned you that it would it would be announced between 10.20 and 10.50 a.m. And at about 10.29, it went for about 45 seconds. Uh, although I had some good footage of you sitting up there in the um, the coach's box at, at Dingoville. No, it didn't. <laughs> yes, it did. No, it didn't. Yes, it did. It had footage of you no. sitting up there in the coach's no, box. It 100% it No, did. it didn't. It was not me. So you must have been... Not, I've got that must... recorded. I will show you. Okay. No. All right. You've been... You're, you're on the Terps early, mate. Yeah. No, they had footage... Don't your team wear Melbourne jumpers? There's, there's something in your short black you must have had on Saturday yeah. morning, mate. Because no, um, yeah. it, it was certainly it, I, I... It impacted your um, perceptions. What did you think of the winner, Shane? I don't know the guy. Well, now you did say something else on the text messages that you responded to, to both Tex and I in our little group chat when we were suggesting that you were a bit stiff and you went to town on um, the bloke from the Northern Territory, mate. Well, that didn't surprise me. There was a Northern Territory winner. So just uh, turtle, if we can, please. You can, those, please. Those those who may not know what we're talking about because they may not be active on the Twitters. Um, Shano, the great coach, who we revel in what he says week in week out, was nominated for his community service to football and was nominated as the senior coach of the year representing Victoria. So congratulations again, Shano, on your nomination. Great job. Great job, mate. Um, seriously, I know you don't like talking about you, but you wouldn't have got that nomination if there wasn't something in it. So, well done. Um, and and before you go on, Tex, he must put that down in his list of achievements on his LinkedIn profile because if you need to, to get the um, Shane Maud Consulting at your service, please find him at LinkedIn and it'll have a little line there about him being a nominee for Coach of the Year. <laughs> I, I can see a few more live reads coming up over the summer the summer break, Shana. So well done again. Well, right thank up. you very much, guys. And I'd better let uh, Glenn McFarlane and John Rolfe know about uh, further achievements from the coach and text. All right. The part that I've been waiting for. Um, shall we get into it? Absolutely. Can't wait. Let's go. If we have to. Tiger Land, a fighting fury, we're from Tiger Land. In any weather you will see us with a grin, risking head and skin. If we're behind, then never mind, we'll fight and fight and win, for we're from Tiger Land. We never weaken till the final 
second of the game, and he puts the Tigers in front. Lambert found Martin, broke the tackle, got a skinner. Martin, can it be three? It is. Dusty's kicked three. The full forward, Stanley, couldn't quite stick it. Martin to put pressure. Still with Martin. Can he kick a fourth? Oh, he has. Yeah, mate, I would have just kept singing that that theme song as as our entry into or our entree into this particular segment. But um, twelve nine eighty one defeated Geelong seven eight fifty. What a magnificent win, Tex. There are so many things I want to talk about, um, and we've got a whole bunch of burning issues about about the game. But lucky, luckily, we've got our learned colleague here, Shane Moore, because if, if I was quick enough on the editing, uh, the work experience kid has decided to have the week off. Um, he's off partying after the, the premiership. Um, he said he will not be at work on Monday or Tuesday to help preparations for the, for the, for, for the podcast. I said, mate, I need you to get a couple of things for me. He said, no, nah, I'm off. And now I can't actually remember why I, I raised that point. Um, but I was going to say something about him. But, um... The coach said Richmond will win and Dusty will That's win right. his third Norm Smith medal. Correct, because I wanted him to get cut that from last week's episode. But you weren't the only one, mate, amongst the learned experts. One um, Leviathan from Lura Oval, uh, is that what you call him? Out One Andrew Peachy very casually just said to start off proceedings, Richmond will win, even though they're the worst team on record to have won a flag, which now must be they're the worst team on record to have won three flags in four years. Um, and that Dusty would win the Norm Smith. Tex, can you finish eating those strawberries and cream and, <laughs> and rejoin us? What have you got to say? Well, I think I've said everything. No, I you say. haven't. You haven't said it enough, mate. With, with absolute... Um, be genuine, my man. Um, it was... So it was congratulations again. Not not a, interested in that. Tell us how good we were. Uh, you were great. You were fantastic on the night. You were fantastic. But the club were fantastic on the night. They were outstanding. The game itself, as I direct my eyes to the run sheet that you did, it live you, up to the hype, mate. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it was probably. Shane, I don't know what what you're pointing at, man. Uh, Run sheet. Run sheet. Oh. Oh. Did the game live up to the hype? Absolutely. For me, for me, it was the toughest grand final, particularly the first half, I think I've seen since 89. It had everything. I thought it was a great spectacle, a great contest. Um, I loved, other than the result, I loved everything about it. I thought it was a classic grand final, a ripper, genuine ripper. Oh, heat was on right from the start. Um, the physicality was there, which is what you're um, talking about there, Tex. I think uh, freakish to see uh, two players go down separate type of injuries within, like, what, three seconds? Mm-hmm. Uh, with, uh, with Nick's concussion, um, Gary with his shoulder. It was just, whoa, wow, what's going on here? Um, probably allowed the players to catch their breath for a few minutes because I think that took a while to get Nick off the ground. Uh, obviously, it's serious injury head and neck injury. So, um, and then it continued on after that. It didn't, didn't let up, you know, really to probably early in the third quarter when Richmond started to get control. But yeah, I agree. It was a great contest. Um, 
I think for most that didn't want Richmond to win, they're on the edge of their seats and said, ooh, could, could this be happening? Uh, a Geelong in front, based on previous performances against Richmond, uh, especially around 17. So, um, But the true colours of Richmond. They're our bunnies, mate, um, I'm afraid to say. They're bunnies, buddy. Geelong are there's our a, bunnies. There's a lot of bunnies for the Richmond Football Club at the moment, have been over the last four years. So no shame in that for most of the clubs. However, uh, the, the demons have uh, entered back into the Geelong heads uh, early in the last quarter. Well, probably started probably five minutes before the end of the second quarter. So uh, I, I, I enjoyed the game. It was fantastic. Um, however, when we got to three-quarter time, for me, it was uh, it was all over. Near the, near the mm. result. I Is think it... Richmond Rich have become an exceptionally good footy team because the great teams um, are able to play footy for five or ten minutes and just destroy you, like put the game to bed. And Richmond did that. I I thought at no stage, and my phone was going off its chops, as you could imagine, but at no point when Geelong kicked away um, did I ever think it was over. No stage did I think it was over. So I thought Richmond always had the ability to do exactly what they did. So how good are they? Um, we've spoken a lot this year about recency bias. To win, Whoever won the flag this year, I always thought was going to be an extraordinary effort particularly for a Melbourne-based club. Um, there was there were some things that made this season so unique, but you can't take away from the fact that they've played in three of the last, or won three of the last four, including back-to-back. So that's exceptionally good. It's it's not great. They're not great yet, but they could become great. No doubt about that. They, oh. could, become, they could become great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just when I... You almost convinced me there, mate. So, um, so I'll ask you this question. But, sorry, sorry, Turtle. You just, just hang under your scarf around your neck for a bit more and just give it a rub. Um, so is Hawthorne, who won 13, 14, 15, played in the grand final in 2012 and lost. Are they, do you consider them as a great team? Um, yeah, I think if, and I did this since the result, if you look back in the history of the competition, any team, any team who can win play in three or four or five in a row, um, let alone win them, uh, that is true greatness. So in my in my lifetime, I look back at Brisbane and Hawthorne as the two great clubs for the number of grand finals they played in in a row and maybe won three in a row. That's greatness. So Richmond deserve all the credit they get. If they win one more, if they sustain that again and win another one or even play off in one, they're getting pretty close. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say Hawthorne and Brisbane would be the two greats of the last 20 years. Richmond are not there yet. And what about compared to Geelong from earlier in the century? Oh, no, I'm, I'm talking I, – I don't I think you can go back beyond 20-odd years. It's about Collingwood in the No, no, I'm talking 60s. about Geelong 10 years ago when they won in 07, 09 and 2011. Are they not a great team? Well, no, because I'm saying those other teams like Hawthorne and Brisbane that the coach referred to, they got there four years in a row. They actually got there four years in a row. Um, well, like Geelong Hawthorne. did. Yeah, but you've got to win three out of four. Yes, they did. 2007, when they beat Port Adelaide. 2008, when they lost against Hawthorne. 2009, when they beat... Um, oh, sorry, 2010, it was Collingwood St Kilda. Sorry. I've, I've told you before, mate, you've got to do your research when you're on the show. <laughs> But it's only that's four grand finals in five years, all right, and won three. So if Richmond win next year, well, it's three in a row, but four in five years. 
um, they might not make it next year and might win the next year after. Does that make them great? Um, it's all about the sustainability of, of excellence and uh, they have sustained it now for four years. Um, I would question if they're not already there. Well, Because I think also to put it into context, you only be – the con- competition is the hardest it is at the time you're playing. All right, so yeah. to compare these last four years with that four-year block of Hawthorne between 2012 and uh, 15, 16, 15, um, and then the Geelong one, 2007 through to 2011, uh, the game is different, requirements are different, and it changes so quickly. I mean, the coaches and players will tell you it changes every, well, what used to be 12 months, it changes every three months. It, it can change fortnightly. The, the challenges in, in amongst... Um, this last six months that the players have had to with um, not endure but to adapt um, elevates the performance of 2020 the team that was won it it's probably even more difficult than any other team in any other environment ever so I think you've got to you've got to elevate that um, that performance and that result um, and you can't you can't compare it. But from a, when you put it together for their their previous three years, they're if for me they're they're probably great now. Yeah, I think that's they're getting close. If you measure greatness by lots of lots of things, not just winning and losing, but specifically that's what most people care about. Um, they're well on the way. But there's lots of other things off field and membership and all that. Richmond Richmond are a destination club right now. And why wouldn't they be? I mean, they've been able to land people like Tom Lynch to get there. Um, if you were starting out your career or you were a player who had five years left, would you want to go and play at Richmond next year? Absolutely. Absolutely you would. Mate, um, it's daylight the next team at the moment. Well, see, that's the arrogance that comes with your club that makes people like me dislike Specifically, you, but many people, Good. many people who wear the yellow and black, because there's not daylight. And yeah, then, no, there's daylight, and we've proved, proven that again in these in the in the current finals, mate. What I mean, you carried on all season about how um, they were no good, and now all of a sudden, oh no, no, they're actually they're pretty good, and they're a great club, and they're this and that. It's ingenuous, mate. No, no, it, what, what I'm saying, nah, I, it's ingenuous. I'm complimenting the club. There's not daylight between them and the next best club. But it's that, oh. it's that type of belief, if people like you think that, that'll bring you undone. No, it won't bring us undone because I said it last year and, and we've just confirmed it again this year. So there'd be plenty out there who clearly think that there's a gap because it wasn't even close, mate. You've played in three, you've won three flags in 40 years or you've won three um, flags in 20 or you've won three flags in four. You can yeah. frame the argument So with this group of was. players... With this group of players, it's the last five, six, seven years, whatever you want to call it. It's three and four, but what people forget is that we've actually played in seven final series out of the last eight now as well. So uh, there is sustained um, good performance. And in those years, although that we went out in the very first final um, in each of those first three years, building up to what, what we've got to now, clear gap, mate, clear gap. And they demonstrated it again um, in this final series. Under duress. They were... That is the definition of great. So just accept it. And they are absolutely in the conversation with um, the Brisbane Lions, Geelong and Hawthorne, who are the other teams that have had three or won three premierships in close succession. 
As I've said all year, the data sets you free. They won the flag. So, you know, there's not much I can say to – and I don't want to take the gloss away from them because they – You won't be. Not tonight. i tell you who is great, though. i tell you who is great. You are segueing into the next um, bullet point on our run sheet beautifully, Ted. He, I love the way you're doing this, right? You've got hosts written all over No, no. This. Dusty Martin is – I've thought about this knowing what was going to come my way tonight. He's the best player I've seen in my lifetime now. And before that, it was, I thought, very clearly Gary Ablett Sr. But Dusty Martin is a great, an absolute great. I'm surprised he has only won a couple of best and fairest. Maybe that comes with the territory that we just expect great things from him every week. But that this bloke is a star. His finals record, um, his ability to just be a team player, I, he is why people would go to the footy. He is an absolute out-and-out genuine champion of the game. No doubt. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think, obviously, we've heard it, we've seen it. He's the greatest finals player ever. Um, You look at his season, I thought he was better in the second half. And we look at the results of their BNF last night. Um, And you look at the top five. Dusty was second. Short wins it. Uh, Camden comes, McIntosh fifth, Shay, Boston yeah, third, fourth. and Bolton. So um, there is evenness across the whole group, and that's what makes that club so special. They play their roles really well, and Dusty couldn't give a, a rat's ass if he wins a BNF or not. What's most important for him is those medals, as in like the premiership medals, and with his with the boys and a club that he loves. So. Um, is he the best player I've ever seen? Yeah, I'm not sure of that. But he's bloody special. He's certainly in the conversation. There's no doubt about that. Um, and everyone's going to have their opinion. Um, but what we saw, you know, from about the, um, what was it, the 20-minute mark, I guess it probably was in the second quarter for the rest of the game, was just, uh, as Bruce would say, special. If if you were coaching him, Shane, what what area of his game does he have to improve on? Because I can't think of what is his weakness. Um, no, I don't agree to it. I don't think it's overhead marking. He's very good one on one. Uses his body really well, it's, so he doesn't need to the... actually. He takes him here. Yeah. He takes him here. Um, I think for him is, um, I can't think of anything for him. His challenge will be just sustainability. He's, he's thirty years of age now, too. He turns 30 in June yeah. next year. So um, it sort of creeps up. You don't realise how long he's been playing for. Like he's played 244 games uh, and he's played midfield most of those games. It's only probably the last probably couple of years where he's, he's probably now mixing it going forward. He's kicked 270-odd goals. Like it's just And he just continues to do it on the big stage. Like yeah. every week... Every week he expects to get attention and, and opposition clubs have tried everything. They put a hard tag, they let him do his own thing. They try and clamp down and rotate people through. You can't rough him up because he's too tough. Um, you can't outsmart him because he's too smart. His skills look to be good both left and right. He goes down and hurts you and kicks goals. I mean, I, I, if he's not the greatest, who, who's the greatest you've seen then, Shane? Oh, I think Gary Abbott Senior is, is probably the greatest. Yeah. But if you look at the way Gary played, but Malcolm Blight moved him from, moved him, gave him the license to move from full forward to the wing and back. He was like a, a forward half on baller. Dusty doesn't go that deep. He can go down there. He doesn't start that deep. However, 
he's got the license to go everywhere. So it makes it very difficult for a, not a, call it a defender, could be anybody to try and actually negate his ability to have impact on the game because it doesn't matter where he is. He, he just plays <laughs> how he wants to play, um, which is exceptional. There is one change that's happened, and this is coaching, right? So, uh, and it's interesting when they talk about Dangerfield, and in the build-up, it was Dangerfield versus uh, Martin, blah blah. But the difference um, in how he's been used is that he's now more half-forward, mid, mm. um, and and that's that that changeover uh, from one to the other, and the way in which Richmond have really worked that to their advantage and to Dustin's advantages makes him really hard to tag. Um, and I think when he was spending more time on the ball, even as early as the start of 2019, and the and I remember the game because he got really frustrated when the ball was on him. But outside of that, you know, there've been a couple of other instances. You know, I, I think um, Levi Greenwood's done okay on him um, on occasion um, when I think about it. But there's not that many players who who really and and in, I think the other thing is is in finals. He's, he's no good. The only no good final was when he was injured in 2018 mm. against Collingwood. That was the only final he hasn't actually performed in since 2017. Now, some of the early finals he did okay, mm. um, but I mean he's fully matured now, right? So he just knows what the, he can do. The key to this too, and you mentioned that the coach, the coaches identified or coaches have identified where his strength, his pure strengths are. And so they allow him to play to his strengths in that position, right? So if we compare the pair, you mentioned uh, Paddy Dangerfield, right? Now, he's got a lot of strengths. Right? He's got a lot of skill. Why didn't we see that on Saturday night? Oh, well, clearly he's just not as good well, as I'm not, I'm not saying so... he is, right? But I'm just saying from the impact that he can have on a game, right? Where did Chris Scott put him? Yeah, well, that was a surprise. I mean, we spoke about that last yeah, week. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Um, I, yeah. I suggested my thoughts would be, bang, straight in the middle of the ground, start of the game. Now, he didn't. Okay, he took a punt. But in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, when was he on the ball? Where they need your bit? Well, he did, move, he did move him on the ball. He certainly put on the ball in the last quarter. The third quarter, late, mate, third quarter, mate, he had a break at about... I don't know what time it was. Yeah. Seventeen minutes, right? He hadn't even played on the ball. I'm thinking <coughs> the ball well, went might... down there once, and that was when Myers, when they brought the ball out of the halfback flank, threw and Myers kicked the goal. It was about their only forward fifty entry to the quarter. Yet the guy, their best player, their best player, sitting in a forward pocket, like F. Oh, have a listen to the coach. Come on. He's getting worked up here, mate. It was at about that you... point, mate, where I think Dimmer got another two. Two acres of real estate inside that bloke. It's head, not mate. six hectares, uh, six acres, mate. It's six hectares. You may think I'm a bit crazy <laughs> or crazier than you already think I am. But early in the game, when he fend, who who did he make Nick contact Blossom. with? Blossom. Blossom. Yeah. Oh, I've lost it. Yeah. When when that happened, I reckon that rattled Dangerfield, and and I when I saw Dangerfield standing there, now I can be accused of being unemotional about life but he looked way too concerned and way too caring for other people than he should have been on that stage he fended him off he heard him say what move on to the next contest it looked like that lingered with him for a while and he he either wasn't right going into the night but he certainly wasn't right 
after that event. And whether whether he played in the middle or down, no, well, he just he doesn't have that killer. Well, he played in well in the second to make quarter. him a great. He played well in the se- didn't seem to affect him in the second quarter when, when dare I say it, they were downhill skiing, and that's when a, a lot of their players fronted up. The only other blokes who stood up throughout the course of the game were probably Joel Selwood. I can't think of too many others. Oh, Joel, Joel maybe, played well early, Maybe mate, Tom Stewart. That's, that's about it. No, no, he, he played all right. He, he still hung in there too, Shane. No the, impact. Uh, but you can't do it on, your, on their own. I mean, uh, but, you know, this is good. I know it's a little bit later, but we may as well wrap up on them. I, I mean, I, here's a big call for you, mate. Even with Cameron, but with that ageing and slow back, their back line, again, all the things that I thought make Richmond a clearly better team than Geelong played out on Saturday night. Their, their back line is too slow, okay? So um, Henderson, um, Harry Taylor, obviously, um, Jack Henry, Stewart, um, Bews, they're all big guys. I mean, uh, so they, they certainly have strength, um, particularly those mid-sized guys. But um, so that, and then they wilted under the pressure. So when, when Richmond absolutely ramped it up, and the numbers state that, it was Richmond's highest pressure game for the whole year. Don't shake your head, little man. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, but Richmond turned they around got... the second half, mate. That was the thing. So that, that yeah, contributes. Well, yeah. If they had a pressure rating of 217 for the yeah, whole game, that. That's great. then it would great have been pressure. probably freaking 300. But it's where their contested football, right, and their clearances went from minuses or behind to pluses in the second half. Yeah, sure. That's what puts pressure on the back half of Geelong. Because they're midfield, Both. exactly. They're midfield, and that's and that. Why not get Dangerfield in to try and stop that with his physicality and try and win oh, some possessions, some clearances? But no. he did. He didn't do because that because the coach oh. has got too big a head, mate. He didn't. And, didn't and do he, it. My plan's going to work this way, um, and he's almost as bad as Mister Plan B from Adelaide, mate. But anyway, they didn't have a plan B. Uh, no, I think we often say that when a team loses. But he was. He was. We would have been pretty happy with the world at half time if you were Chris Scott or anyone connected to the footy club. And at the end of the game, I think that, you know, Richmond had a couple of players on the night, maybe two or three that were poor performers or didn't live up to expectation. Geelong had double that. That's what you get when you lose a grand final. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be putting a line through Geelong. Um, they were in the top four all year in that truncated season, like Port Adelaide were and like Brisbane were. Yeah, they've got an ageing list, but they're going to get better with Cameron and they get those home games at Geelong. Um, I wouldn't be putting a line through the loser of a grand final like we often do. We say, oh, they can't come back well, and they're gone. Losing a they grand just final, um, like uh, to any other club, might be the case. But have a look at the form of the two clubs that Richmond have beaten in grand finals recently. We haven't just beaten them, mate. We've destroyed their, their following seasons as they, well. Geelong did not. But you didn't Sorry, do that. Geelong did not handle the environment on Saturday night. And that, that's it in a nutshell. So the first half, uh, yes, they did. They were competitive. They used the ball really well. Uh, they were smart. They didn't go long into their forward 50. They hit up a short target and it was being effective. However, when pressure came at another level again from Richmond, what happened? They imploded. All right? And it's they not went a long into their forward plan, 50. Mate. What happened? Richmond's defenders, bang, brought it out set up their running the attacking game in numbers, put pressure back on their back half. Yes, they're going to be slow. They're always going to be slow when the ball comes in like that. And they got exposed. And game over. That's what happened. So their head spaces aren't great. That's their biggest challenge. All about leg speed. They, if they, they cannot cope with the amount of pressure that was applied by Richmond Football Club. Not just on Saturday night. Same bloke. Round 17, right. last year's prelim. Yep. The demon, I mentioned demons last yep. Thursday night. 
the demons just come out big time and yeah. game over. That won't make the top four next year, mate. Might not even make the eight. Oh, no. I'll take you on that. Uh, well, All right. Yeah, sure. Please. Absolutely. Please do. Can I just take one, of, can I take I mean, one of the I, one of the slabs that he owes you? Can I get involved with that? No. You go you go see if you can extract one of them out of him, mate. But, <laughs> of, um, might get a bag of lollies. Now, before we, we wrap up on the night grand final and a couple of other No, points. no, I don't want to wrap. I've got a, a comment to make about the sure. team. Which team? Because, well, both. All right, hurry up because I want to ask something else about Richmond. The the legal department and my daughter were putting me under some strict pressure last week, but I won't be silenced this week. There was always the X factor going into this game, and that was our Indigenous friends. Geelong had one in their team, and Richmond had multiple. And on the night, Brandon Parfit went missing, and uh, Pickett and Bolton were two of our Indigenous friends who set the game alight and had, you know, breakout games. So they are an X factor, our Indigenous cousins. And I thought it was a strength going into the game that Richmond had so many of them because they weren't all going to not perform like sometimes they can do. And I think that was a big difference. And you missed the best performing one out of the lot. Who? Shane Edwards. Oh, Dustin. Oh, yeah, Shane Edwards was good. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. boy. Hasn't gone missing in a final. No, incredible Ever. player. Uh, Shay Bolton. You know, guys, you know I selected him in my All-Australian team. Uh mm. Did not get him in the squad and somehow doesn't even make the under-22 squad or team. What are the selectors? Again, uh, the same panel that chose the 2020 AFL community or senior coach of the year, do, are they the same guys that did the 2020 AFL team of the year? Could well be, mate. Um, could well be. Now, if, if you were playing next week, you would have to drop only two Richmond players. There's only two players you'd drop from that game. And that was uh, Pickett and Hooley. Pickett? Um, oh, sorry, Rioli and Rioli and um, Hooley. You wouldn't drop Hooley, mate. The reason why Hooley wouldn't play next week is because he did his calf. He pulled his calf yeah, in Shane. the first quarter, mate. Anyway. Sh- Shane, Basha Hooley had a horrible prelim and a horrible grand final, did he not? Um, no. His second half in the prelim was okay. Uh, he was serviceable on Saturday night. But you're not good. not everyone's going to play their best, mate. Yeah. yeah, and he had a pulled calf, mate. So uh, not in, not interested. Anyway, mate. Probably should I, consider no, his future. So the, the thing at the core of Richmond's success, though, uh, Tex, is their culture, um, and it withstood all battering from all sides throughout the whole year. No, it yes, it did absolutely, and it was once again on display on Saturday night with how they. They handled the exit of Gary Ablett. Why? What do you mean, why? What What did they do about giving him a send-off? Yep. Well, I would have thought every any other club who played Geelong would have did what that, Richmond that's did. That's the easy solution. What else What else did you notice about what they did, mate? Well, they acknowledged him in their speech. Yep. What else medal. did they do? So go and have a look at the photo of them lining up there. Um, they they put their medals inside their jumpers so they were not visible on any of the footage when he walked off the ground. Well, that's not cold culture. That's just stupid. Well, Jack Rewalt mentioned it last night okay. on AFL 360, and uh, they questioned as, as who came up with that decision to do that. And he said, well, Dusty did it in 2017 uh, when he won the Norm Smith. He put that medal 
underneath because he just wanted to display his premiership medal. So they took that concept in that moment and said, no, let's put our medals away in, in mark of respect. Well, how no, ridiculous was, great. was that? It's not ridiculous. I mean, they won the... <laughs> Absolutely. You've officially gone mad, mate. Uh, after being pulled up by um, Mr... Um, Mr. Flynn some weeks ago for my, my language on the episode. Uh, I'm far too much of a gentleman to say exactly what I think right now, Tex. I mean, so, some of the dribble that's coming out of here. Stop eating those lollies, mate. I'm going to jump into this screen and get so, uh, I've had enough of you already, mate. So the new nickname, Six Hectares. Will he stand down? Will he, will... No, eight acres, mate. Hectares. Bigger. Um, will he stand down? Will this be the last time we see Chris Scott yeah. as a coach? I think we're going to cover that in maybe the coach's corner section because I'm interested in your views in that when we have more time, Shane, whether he should or whether you would consider mm. if you were him. Um, as funny as it sounds, I think there's a chance, but three or four days after a grand final is probably not the time for him to make those okay. decisions. Mm. Um, he'd only slightly better, on... he'd only slightly leave his team in a better position than his brother did down at North Melbourne. Just, just on the culture, we never ever said that culture was a problem for them on the ground. There was discipline issues which they addressed. You don't have a, a great culture reason. on the ground or off the ground, mate. The, yeah. There's a club, the club has a full culture. Does, does your business have a culture inside the office and a different one in the car park? Um, wrong question to ask. What do you think, Shane? You're the culture hey, coach. Let's go to text first. I want to see, or I'm interested to hear his response. I think what's sad about the view that you take is people from your own club have admitted they've had cultural issues this no, year. No, they haven't. So I've, yes, they no, have. They you selectively, you know, I'm telling Who you. Who said that they had since, cultural issues? Since the grand final, I've heard Brendan Gale and, and Damien Hardwick and Damien Hardwick's wife make reference to some of the mistakes they made during the year where frustration built in. Yeah. Or they may have got ahead of themselves. No, they didn't. Or they had didn't use the word ahead of themselves. Never use the word ahead of themselves. And that's and, my words. Well, okay, you just said that this is what Damien Hardwick, his wife, and Brendan Gale said, and they didn't say that. So having a crack at opposition. So the mistakes that we've all gone over. I want to take the gloss off their win. They've had some cultural challenge and continue to have. And Andrew Peachy said it last week. Clubs, not only Richmond, Collingwood's another one. They have had put cultural them in the same sentence, mate. Don't even well, put culturally, them in the same culturally, I think they're similar. They're nowhere near one another. Nowhere near one okay. another. This is ridiculous. Okay, that they made mistakes, but the the actual um, presence and, and structure of their culture, whatever you want to call it, it, allows them to then recover and do what they do, mate. Well, this this rubbish that you seem to buy in, and they trot out about our vulnerabilities and all of that. That, that's just It was on display, you know. mate. You don't understand it. It was on display. The way the coach spoke in his press conference about putting it out there around how the fact that he, he did make mistakes, around the way Dylan Grimes spoke on the Sunday footy show uh, and how he felt going into the hub and how many others have spoken about how they actually felt. They're not ashamed to say that they had question marks around that, but then there are people like you who just want a pot shot, mate. Um, tall poppy syndrome, okay? You've always had Shame. it against tall people, haven't you? Shane, can you explain to me about culture then? About on-field versus non-off-field culture? Non-off-field is that like well, well the two of them have like to be double negative. negative text. So you, there is 
from my experience, there's an off-field culture and there's an on-field culture. Um, however, once you get that right and you understand what both are, then it's more power. And Turtle mentioned about uh, these moments where uh, people have behaved incorrectly and not to a standard, to a culture standard, um, then to address those and get back on track, um, that is a true strength of the culture, whether it's going to stand or implode. Uh, and it stood up and they've responded like a very good, very, very good club and they've taken out this year's premiership. That's so um, full credit yes. to them. Thank you. Now, Tex, we need to quickly wrap up because we're going to, again, our mate wants to come in and talk a little bit about the grand final as well. But what did you think of the night grand final and the entertainment? Uh, for me, I didn't like the night grand final because um, I thought the day missed something. And I'd hate to see a night grand final in Melbourne. I couldn't imagine what it was like. I think they, it was good for TV audience, but I, I didn't enjoy it. And the entertainment, I've never cared too much about the entertainment because I think the game, the day is about the game. I thought the halftime stuff was really enjoyable and good and I, I thought that was really good. I didn't even watch the pregame entertainment because I couldn't give a rat's toss back. I, um, the pregame stuff, the choice of songs, I thought, come on, pump it up. But then when Wolf Mother yes. got going, um, that's who it was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the big buffy air, Wolf Mother, he... Um, the, apparently, the atmosphere at the ground was sensational because I texted uh, one of my one of my yeah. players I used to coach who was there with his old man, you know, the, Mo, the Mohawk man, the Richmond Mad supporter. You know him. Uh, he uh, he said the atmosphere before the game was just incredible, absolutely incredible. But I didn't get that feel from watching at home. I'd be happy with the Twilight Grand Final. I reckon if you start at yeah. around four, right, um, you can do your your basic pre-match stuff because I think uh, but they really want to make halftime the big thing and I think also finishing earlier, a little bit earlier even if it's a couple of hours, allows you then to, because if you listen to the Richmond players, the the actual celebrating and all that, I mean they didn't get back to their hotel, admittedly they were an hour away from the ground or whatever in, on the Gold Coast but it was like um, 1.30 in the morning or something when they got back so but but that doesn't really matter. I'm more about the event. So the game, I hear some of the players say they love playing at night and we play five, but the day itself, it's the event is a major event on the Australian sporting calendar now. Yes. So so for me, what was it when they played the day games? I think they started them as late three. as 2.30, yeah. maybe even closer to 2.30. 2.30 they start them. Mm. Right. So another hour or hour and a half, I agree with you. I think a twilight. Remember Richmond... Richmond played a twilight. GWS, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. That'd be a grand final model. Yeah. But finishing it at 10 and then all the stuff that you've got to do after the game that you can't redo, it, it's probably not enjoyable for fans or players or anyone attached to the club. Yeah, I so know it was a gather. I didn't like it. I know it was a gather, but there was hardly anyone left. It would have been bliss if you are a Richmond supporter. You'd be able to get, even if you were a Geelong supporter, you'd be able to get down on the fence as they did their lap of honour. And, um, mm. yeah. <laughs> Oh, all right. Very good. When are they coming? When are they coming home? Just out of interest. How long are Richmond staying up in Queensland? They're never coming back, mate. They just work out. Hub life works really well for them. You know, they just um, the Queensland government want to suck a little bit of their culture out, mate. Apparently. Thank Christ. Contractually, I've only got about <laughs> fifteen minutes left. Morwood, a chance here for Collingwood. Shane Morwood 
Now, things that, quite frankly, the Macedonian Marvel couldn't wait to come back because he wanted to talk about Richmond Premierships. Yeah. Uh, having been here last week, and he just wanted to have another chat. Um, g'day, Dakes. Thanks for joining us again, mate. Uh, Zoran, Troy Morph. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm getting so used to it, boys. It's like uh, I feel like I'm home. So, no, all good. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, look, it's been... Uh, I'm, I'm learning to live with the Richmond sort of supremacy, but... You know, at the end of the day, credit uh, where credit's due. Um, yeah, they were pretty good in the industry, in particular after half time. What was your favourite bit? Uh, when the game ended. <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy the celebrations, did you, mate? No. Pardon? Oh, no, look, it was a um, good game. I mean, I... Uh... You'll go much better on this this show, mate, if you leave the funny stuff to me. But okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, look, they were very good. I, I liked it because... Yeah, there was a bit of a twist in the tail. Um, such has been the year in football, I suppose. And, um, you know, Geelong um, looked like they were going to run away with it. And then I think, um, you know, they get that late goal. I think it was Dusty. Um, well, well, let's not spoil the, the show. I mean, it was probably uh, Dusty. And then, yeah, after half time, you know, they came out. A few positional changes. Bolter goes into the um, ruck. And blokes that hadn't had a sniff all of a sudden get a second breath and away they went. Yeah, it was a big second half. Shano, you're, you've done the uh, the coaching gig for most of the year with us. Because um, clearly I don't know anything about the game and Zoran chimes in and does the funny stuff. What was your take on the coaching on the night, Shane, from, from where you sat? Um, from a Richmond point of view? Well, either. Uh, Only one of them actually coached on Saturday night, mate. Well, the, I thought it was great from... Uh, Damien and his guys because and uh, Damien mentioned this last night and um, with uh, Jared Healy and the boys on the AFL, I don't know, what is it, on the couch or something, on I think it's couch. called. I don't watch it that often but he said what was, what was great for him at half time because they're really interested in what he said at half time, what, what he was thinking they actually had a longer break because I think because of the half time entertainment, they got an extra seven minutes, he says it was actually great just to compose themselves uh, clear, get the data um, from, from what was happening in the first half and then address the guys about what they needed to actually um, focus on. And they did that pretty well from the clearances, uh, centre clearances, uh, contested footy in the second half. And the game just swung. Yeah, the, the moves were there. They put Bolter out, they played sort of ruck and forward. I think that allowed, I think they brought them to go back. So they were a bit more mobile across the back half, uh, which, which is what they wanted. And I think that's because of Hooley too. They didn't get no drive from him. Although Short played a, a magnificent game. Uh, so he made some moves from uh, from Six Acres. Um, Chris, I was disappointed with uh, he didn't use Paddy Dangerfield enough, in my view. Uh, I thought he should have started him early. I know they played well early, and, and he was influential uh, early, a little bit up forward. However, when the game was was in question, uh, when Richmond were challenging early in the third quarter, Paddy stayed, stayed back. He was in the forward half for all that quarter and had a break at one stage. So... I just thought it was disappointing. I, I think he could have made a few more moves to try and get something going. Uh, and unfortunately, um, you know, I talk about the demons in the Geelong players' heads. The demon was in Chris's head because I didn't see any moves that were impactful enough. And when you've got your best player sitting in the forward line for too much of the second half, then you failed to give themselves a chance at all to try and turn that game around. Um, is he too stubborn, Shane? Well, I don't know if he's stubborn. If it is, then he shouldn't be coaching. You can't be stubborn because it's not about it's not about him. 
it shouldn't be about that. Um, it's all about it, here. Well, I don't know. Dakes, your thoughts what, from a July oh, point of view? Well, you covered it pretty well, Morph. I think, look, at the end of the day, you can you can understand him sort of probably, in a sense, leaving the, the, the side the way it was. I mean, they, you know, in particular in the finals, I mean, Dusty, uh, uh, Dangerfield had, had caused a bit of havoc sort of playing that closer to goal um, type role. And I, I suppose he was rolling the dice with him sort of coming out in the early stages of that third quarter and sort of restoring that, you know, the just under four goal lead that they had, if not building on it. So um, I think Mitch Duncan was firing and he sort of lost his sort of um, impetus in a sense that he had a, 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 even though his stats might show that he, he was going all right. The scoreboard tells me that, you know, with, with Richmond scoring 60 points, I mean, they were all over them. And that's that's the best dictator. At the end of the day, you'd love to win every position, but that just doesn't happen even on your best day. So, you know, the scoreboard will dictate how we're going. And let's face it, the Tigers were coming back really hard. And I agree <clears throat> with Morph. I couldn't believe that that a, a key player that... Because as a coach, what you want to do is, is, is like Richmond did it, Rewild hadn't fired a shot, Lambert didn't fire a shot, um, Lynch didn't fire a shot. There were a lot of inactive players. Well, your role as a coach is to try and get them into the game somehow. Um, and while you're doing that, you're also sort of trying to put the brakes on the opposition as well. So um, I just thought after half time, their flexibility, Bolter goes into the ruck and, you know, they take off. Dusty, a couple of goals and their confidence starts coming up. But the other thing is, the Cats were really fumbling more. You know, Troy, I, I reckon they... They went from really sure ball handling early to, to really panic. They seem to be panicking over the ball. And, um, yeah, Richmond was uh, just fantastic the way they were able to, you know, once they, they got their tail up, it's hard to pull it back. But they did a terrific job that way. But I agree. Your best players need to be in the action. I suppose what he was hoping for with Dangerfield and the goal square, they're winning out of the middle, banging in with less players, and hopefully he gets his hands on it. But as it turned out, they weren't getting it down there. So... Well, well, he yeah, never I did much of that in the did. first half either, though, Shane. I don't think um, um, Dangerfield was that much of a presence, really, in terms of um, an alternative to um, to the big fella, um, he, Tom Hawkins. He, no, no not he, at all. Not at all. And what you've got to remember, though, the access for data that the coaches have in front of them in a box, like there's screens everywhere. So if they're going well, all the areas of the, key, the KPIs are in green. When they're not going well, it's in red. His screen would have been red everywhere in the third quarter. And if he fails then to act and change his setup and not put your best player around where the heat is, where Richmond was shifting their momentum, like, F me. I do oh, not I like know it. how you do not miss that and make a move and a key move. I reckon my simple take on the game was we're over. We always do this with losing coaches. We always overanalyze them. At, court, at halftime, Chris Scott, everything was going to plan. And no one was being critical of why didn't he start Dangerfield in the middle then. For me, I looked at the stats again today. There wasn't a lot in the stats that I could see that, you know, many alarm bells. For me, the difference was Richmond had six more scoring shots and won by five goals. Martin's kicked four. Like, he single-handedly, in my view, won the match for them. If he didn't – I don't know if your mother was your your father, things would be different. But – Men and Gola kicked two goals. Outside of Martin, a Richmond player only kicked two goals as well. So Martin was clearly the difference. And I go back to the coaching thing. When Collingwood played West Coast, 
I was screaming at my TV why Nathan Buckley was starting Brody Grundy on the bench against Nat Nui at the start of the quarter. But you know what? They won the game and no one spoke about it. If they'd mm-hmm. have lost the game, he would have been a shocking coach. I think there's a bit of this in Chris Scott. I didn't think he had a bad night. I didn't think the Geelong club had a bad night. I just think Richmond were way too good. And I'm full credit to Richmond. Two halves, mate. And that's what I'm saying. In the third quarter, the red, the red flags are up in front of his screen. You have to make a decision. His decision wasn't to do nothing. It was the wrong decision. Yeah, maybe he's on there for three minutes, five minutes, whatever, and starts to get the game back on Geelong's terms from a clearance point of view and stoppages. It wasn't happening. The numbers just went boom the other way. They went from minus three and minus five and minus 10 to plus five, plus 28, plus 11. Like, come on, you've got to do something. You can't just let the game slip away at the same time, Troy. You have to make a decision. No, I get it. Yeah, everything was going well in the first half, except for the last five minutes. That's okay. There's ebbs and flows in the game. But when that happens, that's, hey, red flag, come on. We need to do something. Not ignore it and go, well, I'll just back my guys in. They just haven't, they haven't been able to perform in that last in the 20 minutes or whatever it is of game time in the third quarter. The, then you change it. Don't leave it. I, I morphed. The, the other thing is just, and guys, the other thing that, that's, that's really interesting, I mean, we're, we're, we're saying Chris Scott didn't actually make the move, but I don't reckon um, Danger's exempt from, from actually moving himself into the middle of the park. I mean, at the end of the day, by the time the message comes up, and let's face it, probably sometimes the best guys with the best vantage point of the players on the ground. So you got you have to give them the autonomy to... To, to not not ever I'm not talking about everyone I'm talking about you know a, a Selwood or a Dangerfield and I know it could get out of hand at times but I, I think they've played enough football to realise you know when they can do it now you could just imagine um, more and we could probably relate to it but you know um, Dangerfield's no. not a player that'll sit on his haunches and and sort of not be in the play I mean the ball wasn't coming down so I think in the end um, that. Um, he he should have just. I, I think so, he should have probably taken it upon himself because I couldn't imagine he'd just sit back there and and really just allow it to happen. So, but look again, we're we're, we're focusing on uh, Geelong. Let's face it, um, uh, Richmond didn't allow him to 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 come back into play. I mean, and again, those inactive players. I mean, Edward started firing. He didn't. You know, he's a very underrated player. He's a very good player, Lambert. Um, you think about all the players that really hadn't fired a shot, they lose Vlosten, um, you know, who, who was banged up. Basha Hooley does a calf in the first 10 minutes of the game. Why wasn't that exposed? I mean, they got guys in the coach's box that, you know, you can see a bloke limping around. I mean, put a quick guy on him and start playing through that the, the, on that side of the ground. I mean... That's a coaching um, move, Dax. Pardon? That's a coaching move. No, and, that's what and, I'm saying. So yeah. there's a lot of things that come into play, but I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think Chris Scott um, would have had all the access to the data and he, he, he didn't actually, um, he didn't act on it. So, yeah, only he can answer. Right. He's got a big head, mate. Oh. That's, that's, um, and he got found out again. Once again, Dimmer just outcoached him. Didn't oh, have to do too much either. Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? The coaching. Let's, let's, the players um, put it into play, but... But and sort of with morph, as he's saying, at halftime they go in. How many times have we seen that? The, the, it's a blessing to one team and it can be a Achilles heel to another team where you have that break, you get a run and you want it to continue and all of a sudden you get that 20-minute hiatus where you're, you're sort of all sitting on benches and whatever and, and all of a sudden you've lost lost that momentum. And um, 
you know, that's the other thing that happened at halftime, um, that he had he, he had his session with the boys. He, he tweaked it a little bit and, yeah, lo and behold, no surprise, they came out and ran all over him. Yeah. No, beautiful. Well, well, full, cre- full credit to Richmond, I would say. I'm not keen to overanalyze the Geelong bit. Richmond were outstanding and yeah. thoroughly deserved it in the end, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, yeah. The, uh, what do you reckon, Dakes, um, Chris Scott? Um, needs to change the game plan though for next year. I would have thought this is another year now where they've tried this game plan and it's not successful. Oh, look, um, now it's interesting, isn't it? The focus now um, goes back on the the older brigade and older players. Um, they've clearly got some players coming in. And between you and I, I don't know if Jerry Cam- uh, Jeremy Cameron um, is the answer to it. I mean, he's dropped off a little bit. I reckon he's a little bit light and, um, okay, you're paying a million bucks or thereabouts. I mean, what do you reckon he's going to return? Um, you know, is he worth 40 goals? I'd rather spend 500,000, pick the eyes out of the competition and try and bring two kids in, you know, like that's where the little nuggets lie. So, um, but look, Chris Scott, um, what, what do they do? I mean, I, I always believe it's not the coach that the coach has a big say in how you play. But I reckon it's the personnel that change the way the ball moves. I mean, at the end of the day, if you put Buddy Franklin in the middle of the ground, you're going to get probably a more long-kicking direct game into the forward line. You put you put a um, you know a, a you know a side bottom in there, and it becomes a shorter type game or pendles, you know, like um, controlled sort of move movement into the forward line, probably a little bit slower. But and you know where I'm coming from with that, so. You know, if he plays the same players, same positions, you're going to get the same result. I mean, they're still going to be a good team, and and but I I, I think that um, yeah, maybe a change uh, and and maturing of some of the younger players will give them that. Wrap it up, Dakes. So Dake, Wrap it up, Dakes. Dakes, you know I like to put you under the spot with the hard hitting questions. <laughs> Zoran seems to think Geelong will struggle to make the four or maybe even the eight next year. If Josh wasn't allowed to play for Collingwood next year, he was just banned. Would, would would Geelong be a club that you would encourage him to go and play with if he was hoping to win a flag in the next couple of years? Oh, no, no, no. I uh, I want him closer to home. I mean, no, nah, not Geelong, no. Uh, and Zoran, by the way, have you washed that scarf since uh, your first flag four years ago? No, mate. It smells beautiful too, Dakes. <laughs> uh, you'd be used to it. But, um, mm. oh, look, um, oh, look, they're still a good team. Let's face it, guys. They, they were runners-up. I mean... You know, and they haven't been far away. I don't think there's been a big drop off in in the last, you know, under the tenure of um, Chris Scott. So he, he's clearly got something to offer. I think it's just more about, and they seem to be attracting players. Um, Correct. They seem to get players mm. to to Geelong. I mean, no, they've really helped too. To Gary Rowan, um, Jack Stephen, uh, working a treat. Well, we could offer Jeremy Cameron more for a, a contract at the Holden Centre. You can get some good carp out of the arrow. Well, that's true. That's true. No surf there, though. But anyway. Hey, Dakes, we've loved having you on, mate, for the last, uh, we'll call it a month, the final series. Uh, it's been sensational. Loved uh, having a chat about the games and coaching. So it's been fantastic. So, Turtle, Tex. Magnificent, Dakes. Good on you, boys. All right. Well, what about the trade period? Maybe um, I'll come back for the trade. Well, when yeah. We, very we very interesting, mate. Politics. What's what's the what's the word on Trelaw, mate? What's Joshy saying? Oh, well, he hasn't said anything. I mean, um, I uh, are, we su- are we surprised by it? A morph. I mean, the thing is, guys. I mean, um, he's it's an interesting scenario. He's his partner 
heads up to Queensland. They've just had a baby. Um, God, I can't keep away from my kids for a week, let alone, you know, 10 months of the year. I mean, and I think Collingwood's, look, apparently it was on the drawing board last year. But um, I will say this more, and guys, and, and Troy, you're a Collingwood man. I mean, um, it's an interesting thing. You've got to give up something. And I think what they can do is actually end up with, um, and I'll, I've got to think about this, but um, they could probably end up with two players out of it. So the first one being they'll save money in there and open up some room in their salary cap to, to go after another player. And the other thing is they get a, an early round pick if that's the case. So they actually can, can manufacture two, two, two um, players out of it. So, Chalor is good. Is he? Is he as good as um, you know? Two players. I mean, you. I don't yeah, know. but I you're going to have Collingwood are going to have to pay. Are going to have to pay part of his salary, mate. No one's going to pay him nine hundred grand, which is his no. back-ended contract. That's the problem. But, but but then it leaves you another five hundred to go off and chase someone. I'm sure oh, they've got sure. a little bit yeah. left over as well. So it might be seven hundred to yeah. to go off and pay for someone, and then you you've got a uh, hopefully a pick five pick. Yeah, but what about um, five hundred and fifty k? Apparently. Um, Mason Cox, that's what he's being paid. Um, he, and he's just ticked up. They've just said it today. He played enough games to trigger um, a contract, and they're trying to say the Bulldogs are interested in him. No one's that stupid, mate. No one's paying A for him uh, and that much money, mate. Give me a spell. Yeah. I mean, you, if you want to get rid of money and get value for money, get in your box. It's then. only 400 US. Uh, you want to get rid of Mason it's Cox. It's only 400 US. You, it might be, mate, need... but, the, the, but the, the salary yeah, caps in Australian best. dollars, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You need to put a life jacket on because you're drowning in your own dribble. Right. Um, Mason Cox is in Collingwood's best 22. That says everything, mate. That says everything. To Dakes's point, so that if Dakes said it, it'd be on the front page of the paper tomorrow. If I said it, no one cares. Collingwood don't value Trelaw enough to keep him at all costs because they put him up last year and they've invested and recommitted in other players. So quite likely he will go. And I, you know, someone, you've got to give up something to get something. And I think, Collingwood's made it pretty clear that Trelaw is one of the ones that they, they will give up. They haven't made it clear. That's the problem, right? Well, they haven't. They haven't come out and said that Correct. he's not up for grabs. So no, that's it's exactly. what they haven't said. Yeah, it's well, what they haven't said. Well, mate, grow a, grow a set and get out there and get ahead of it. Then well, Matty, Matty manage, Rendell. manage the narrative, <laughs> mate. Matty, Matty Matty manage the narrative. Mm. Yeah, they put they've put all their time, energy, and money into other players before Trelaw, and that's okay. And, and you know what? Can I just uh, let me just say? I mean, their decision, their 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 picks or players they've brought in probably over the last three or four years um, has really come to to haunt them now um, because you know if there's a if there's an issue now with that um, with the managing of the, the the salary cap and and the money available to to the club to be able to go off and get players was has clearly been sort of has come about because of decisions over the last 3 4 years there's no there's no if buts about it i mean you know unfortunately Dane beams um, you know for for personal reasons um, you know can't play but you know um, you know that that that's that's hurting the club, and mm. and you know hopefully we can move on from that. And then there's a few others, so we just got to make. Yeah. And that's the other thing is we keep hearing about how bad the that that situation is, but no one actually knows how much um, um, money's in the coffers, you know, to to sort of go off and try and be aggressive in the market. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, you've been a star, Dakes. We look forward to catching up with you for trade talk and our pre-Christmas show. <laughs> All right, boys. No Good on you, guys. Guys.
don't draft me. Don't draft me and don't sell me. <laughs> we'll keep we'll you, mate. money for you, buddy. We'll keep you. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood... Sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. So tonight's tirade is about Richmond. And I want everybody, doesn't matter what your views are on the club, doesn't matter what mine have been, I've made them very public throughout the course of the year. But it's time to sit down, shut up and deal with the facts. My closing argument for the Richmond Footy Club would be they are the undisputed kings of the competition. They've won the flag. They've defied the odds. They're a great club, and they're on the verge of becoming the greatest of great clubs. So they've won the flag. They deserve everything that comes their way. Their culture's been tested. I've tested them, and they've stood up, and they've delivered. However, what will make them a great club is how they deal with the success of this year and going into next year. And they have some hard decisions to make. I see the coaches taking some time out and going to return to the club in February. It has been no more an exhausting year for the Richmond Footy Club than it has been for the other 17 teams of the competition. But they have some harsh decisions to make. And if you're on the board of Richmond, if you're on the match committee, you've got to call out some of the obvious things. And there's two players, one in particular, that I think they need to move on. And that is Basha Hooley. Basha Hooley has been a great servant of the Richmond Football Club. But what he did this year is he didn't step up to the plate when it came to putting the team first. He was supported by the club and good on Basha and good on the Richmond Footy Club for supporting him. But do the team thing, Basha. You've been embarrassing and in your club's bottom three players on the two biggest stages for two weeks in a row. You've fumbled miserably in the prelim final when the heat was on. And in the grand final, you're in the bottom couple for the performance on the day. Don't hide behind the excuse that you hurt your calf. Plenty of players were sore on the day and plenty of players became sore through the day. So basher, man. Either walk away from the club with your... Um, Jim Stein's award as a premiership player and do the selfless and the team thing or Dimmer or Benny or Peggy make a change while your team is at the top someone once told me it's time to repair the roof when the sun's out go out on top make some hard changes to your list Richmond just like everybody else and go from being a great club to potentially the greatest now you said there were a couple of um, changes they needed to make. That's only one of them, mate. You, you forgot about your other one, did you? Oh, well, or you've completely uh, Rich- lost yourself in um, in self-adulation with that that pathetic tirade. That is well, a they, that is a disgrace. There's a, there's a, you've got to make good teams will prune yeah. their list, and just because you won a premiership doesn't give you the the right for those twenty two or however many players yeah. they've used to be there next year. So I'm fascinated to see who Richmond move on from the club. Yeah. The great the great teams do that. The very great teams will mm. move on players. Give us some Just good like, give us some examples of when the teams did it when they were at their at their at the height well, of their um their their success text. Well Richmond Richmond moved on um uh the the guy who's gone to St Kilda who's played such a great year there. No, no, I'm I'm 
asking you to give me the example with the other so-called teams that you you called great earlier in the episode, being Brisbane and... Well, Hawthorne, um, Hawthorne, Hawthorne did it very publicly with a number of people yeah. like Sam Mitchell yeah. um, and and, when, and when did has... they do that, mate? Not not after the, they won their third premiership. They no, did no. it. They did it two years later when they had two years of of um, lower performance. And you call those clubs great? Brisbane and and Hawthorne. Same with I don't Brisbane. have. They kept Akamanis and all of that sort of stuff for a couple of years before they moved on. But they also moved on players. Yeah, and, they did after the fact. Which no, no, players did they, they move on? They moved on their list. Name and, the players, put... Troy. You're the one who, who celebrates the research and all of that. So you're making the comments. You're asking Richmond to do that. Richmond moved on players. They did. Uh, they moved on players that were superfluous to their needs. Bashahuli is not in that, that category. And once again, not understanding the culture of that club and what makes that overall club successful is that he, he's more than just what he does on the field. And we said before, it's there's on and off the field, right? And he is a very good player and still a very good player. Uh, and, you're, and I think your comments around his performances in both the preliminary final and harsh are not, are not, are not founded. So uh, you, you thought he was, a, you thought he was a valuable contributor in both the prelim and the grand final. Definitely in the prelim. Um, and I think in the grand final, he, he was at, actually, I think what you'll find is he didn't come out and talk about the calf. Other people raise that. Bashahuli doesn't talk about that. And what he was able to do, and it's probably a bigger reflection on Geelong, is that he actually changed. And, and what, what ended up happening was Short actually played the role that Hooley normally played, right, which is being our most offensive uh, weapon off halfback. And why? Because he was prepared to sacrifice while he was also injured and just go into a lockdown-type role. You shouldn't be hiding behind an injury. Uh, 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 what? No, there's no, there's no stuttering. The good players... He didn't hide behind the injury. To, the good players know when to call time on their career, and I'm just suggesting time might be ticking for Basher. No worries, mate. He'll be part of the fourth premiership next season. Oh, well, that's that's a massive call. Is it? A coach? He's already been offered a, um, a contract, mate. Well, then that just shows you that the club potentially won't become a truly great club. Okay. They might get caught up into the thinking that you've portrayed on this podcast, which is... Which is what, of, Well, which is a level of complacency and arrogance. No complacency. There's been no complacency. Um, well, you're talking about a fourth flag next year yeah. already, and here we are a week after the last Well, that, has that been complacent? We'll work hard and earn the right to win it. I'm just confident that of our team's capabilities and our club's capabilities. Shane, please chime in. Ding! Is that a chime? Oh, look, I, I don't agree, Troy. I think uh, uh, he was below par in the prelim. Um, That's code for you're a dickhead. <laughs> he was below par uh, in the prelim. However, he had the fourth highest amount of possessions uh, for the prelim. It was ranked probably 11th out of, uh, uh, out of 22 in the Richmond team. Uh, in the grand final, yeah, he changed roles because he had to. He's certainly injured. Uh, certainly hobbling around, uh, but played a role. Um, did he have the impact from a possession point of view that we expect from him? Because uh, he was nearly a two-time Norm Smith medalist. Um, no. Uh, however, he played a role, and that's the strength of that, that football club. Uh, he, he'll get another contract if he hasn't already got one, as you just mentioned, so he'll be okay. We'll, time will tell. It catches up if, if it's, it is. If it is a sign, and we'll look back in six months or eight months' time and we'll say, oh, yeah, well, it was a sign. 
then okay, fair enough. Um, and when you get older in that 30 to 33 uh, years old bracket, it can change very quickly. Um, so we'll find out. What are the stats that you're looking for, mate, to try and back up your argument at the moment, little fella? Stop coughing and sucking lollies and you're a disgrace, mate. Turn your microphone off, for God's sake. It's 23 episodes into the season. Don't you know yet how to work the, the mute button? Because you're, because you're both going to have some time on your hands now, <laughs> I'd encourage you to go back and do a bit of homework and have a look at Bash's stats. And with the exception of last year, 2019, he's gone backwards on all KPIs each year from 2017. So I'm saying whether it's games played, whether it's effectiveness, whether it's average kicks, marks, handballs, whatever. With the exception of 2019. So he went down and then he went back up. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying. Then he went down and then he went back up. So what? What's time's, the point? Time's ticking is what the prosecution oh, would say. Here. for you, mate, that the train is not far away from um, what Speaking of time is ticking. Mm. Uh, I, in fact, I think the review of Texas Try is about to commence. Uh, the judge has entered the building. Thank you very much, Tex. All right. <laughs> well done, Tex. <laughs> now, what can we say? Another week. I mean, how many goes did we have last week, Shane? I'm searching for my notes. Six. Uh, for all the different legs that were that were quoted as part of... Four $10 bets, two $5 bets. Oh. What, what I will say is um, while he's feverishly um, coming up and searching for his excuses, the work experience kid, he decided to... It's just a very basic bet. I'll put $15 on Richmond to win and I'll put $5 on Dusty for the... For the um, for the Norm Smith, and guess what? He's got he's actually earned more this year than Tex has. So what are you down? Two grand down, Tex? Uh, something like that. Mm. I went onto the um, COVID Victoria website today, where it had <laughs> zero cases, positive cases, zero deaths, and underneath in small print was zero, zero Texas tries. <laughs> <laughs> so he's made it big time. <laughs> He's not happy, the little fella. Um, well, what's your, what's your, um, I mean, really, we're surmising um, the season's activities, but thankfully, we didn't get behind a charity. But speaking of charity, I thought there was one way we could actually help charity after all of this this season. What about if the coach and text participated in Movember and we all grew a moustache to raise money for Movember? Are you in, Tex? Not interested, mate. Oh, Shano? Can't you grow one, Tex? I can grow one. Good. But I'm, then I, won't, you're in. I won't be. I won't be. Why? Uh, we're, we're, it's an opportunity for us to raise money for a. Uh, we'll, we'll issue the, um, uh, the, if you like, our participation under the coach and Tex handle. Well, that's three, well, three handles. We <laughs> handle bar mustaches in, in, in honor of our, of our Twitter handle bar. <laughs> Well, let's see what the tweeters say about that. If the tweeters think that that's something that they want to engage in, we might consider it. Well, I've already had a like by someone called Ashley, um, who's already said, <laughs> yes, um, you should be. Don't, don't scratch that grain top. Just start growing 
growing a moustache. Why wouldn't you do that? We didn't. We weren't able to raise any money because of your filthy tipping. Um, what about growing a moustache for November? Can we just deal with the first Men's health? Or are you backing away from that text? He wants to. Mick he wants Malloy to on, was happy enough to shave his hair if Richmond won the premiership to look like Kevin Bartlett. The least you can do is grow a moustache. I say, why not? Uh, dear idea. I think he's focused oh, on, he's on this week's Texas at a, try. What, at what are we doing, Tex? What is it the Melbourne what Cup? What are we doing, mate? Well, very simply, we're going to have a bet on the Melbourne Cup. Can I ju- just take you back to last week? I feel like I'm justifying myself every week. In in uh, three of the six bets, I had Mitch Mitch Duncan to win the Norm Smith. He was clearly Geelong's best player. He was high rate, highest so, rated player on the day. Yeah. Yeah. What's the What's the Norm Smith awarded for? Best player on the ground, the grand final. Yeah, yeah. Not anywhere near it, mate. Yeah, but Lee Matthews right. voted, and he got his vote sore. Ass about, mate. He's got no idea what he's doing that play. He's got dementia. Uh, Titch Edwards, as Dake said, he played pretty well. Armory ran second in the Cox Plate. Um, we were all over it. But anyway. Oh, good. You, you got one leg in one of your bets. Was it Armory? No, no Armory ran second. Run. They came second. It's sort of like your whole. I mean, that is pretty much sum, summarizes Texas try. We're going to have to change this, right? Go back to just calling it a generic punters club. What are we doing? What are we share, doing, Tex? What are your thoughts, mate? Come on, Tex. Um, we're having a couple of bets in the Melbourne Cup. Just keeping it very simple. The winner of the Melbourne Cup. Um, we're going to have a bet on warning to win the Melbourne Cup. I still like that nag. Is it in? Has it qualified? <laughs> yes, it does. It has qualified. Here's a, war- yeah, here's a warning for you. Yeah. Won't run in the first five. <laughs> it'll, be like, it'll be like that episode of Lost in Space. Warning, should lead warning, into don't go anywhere surprise baby events. because it will be a surprise baby if it runs a place. Yep. So warning. War, warning at $34 the win. We're backing that. Um, King of Leo Grants at $51 if it runs uh, will will be a chance. So we're, we're backing King of Leo Grants and warning. So you're, gonna... you're backing horses that haven't even qualified. Uh, don't interrupt me, please. We're having $10 on each of those two. And we're going to open up the shoulders and <laughs> open, open up the shoulders we are. And, uh, and we're going to go bang on Russian Camelot to win the Melbourne Cup, the other $30 at 11. So we've got Russian Camelot at 11s, Warning at 34, and King of Leogrance at 51. They're the three to win the Melbourne Cup run on Tuesday, the 3rd of November at 2 p.m. What? So you're hanging in there for the Camelot, mate. Yeah, I am. I think yeah. it's a it's a truly it's dusty like it's a it's a legend of the turf. Well, going into the main, if you're calling the Melbourne Cup the grand final, then you would have had to have done okay in previous uh, Melbourne Cups to to be compared to Dusty, mate. Thirty dollars on Russian Camelot at elevens. Do, do okay. you like very elegant? Yeah, I do. I think Very Elegant is uh, is a really good horse as well. Better than a really good horse, actually. Really good. This is this is a great Melbourne Cup field. Um, when you think about the internationals who are going to go around, this will be a quality cup. Um, just to 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 play around with the, um, I guess the omen betting. I suggest you put something on Tiger Moth. 
mate, since um, <laughs> since they've been going okay. But my little special for you, text just a right is a, a Derby horse into a Melbourne Cup, right? So I'm I'm going Cherry Tortoni into Prince of yeah. Aaron. Yeah, I like okay. I like Cherry Tortoni. I think it's a real real big Derby. What's that paying to win the Derby? Oh, I think about four seventy or five bucks. It's, yeah, it's, right. Yeah, but it's the favourite, I think, too. So, uh, yeah, can confirm that. Well, it's not favourite. Um, Young Werther is favourite at three twenty, but Cherry Tortoni's on the second line at four fifty. There you go. Sort yeah. of like what Richmond were mate, around four fifty, but you you steered clear of that one. You went the wide berth on that one too. Uh, who did you say, Cherry Tortoni into what? Prince of Aaron. Okay. Um, I've just seen what that multi's up to. Do you know? It's about 50 bucks, probably. You're just guessing. Mm, would be. Prince of Aaron, $13. So because I'm a team player... Um, I'll just re- put 10 on that, mate. Yeah, I will. I'll put $10 on that and I'll reduce the Russian Camelot bet to $20. Shane, have you got a, a, a tip you like? Uh, very elegant. Because I'm a... T- do, you, do you have a derby winner? Uh, let me have a quick look and I'll tell you... So we go Cherry Tortoni into Prince of Aaron for ten dollars at fifty-eight fifty, and then we'll have the ten dollars on Warning at thirty-four dollars, the ten on King of Leogrance at fifty-one dollars. We'll have ten on Russian Camelot, and we'll take a ten-dollar multi for Shano. So you want something into very awesome. elegant, do you? Yes. Thank you. This is good Sorry, podcast. Mate. I'm just looking at while we while we do this, mate. This is um, this is excellent stuff. Riveting, <laughs> riveting stuff. This is. <laughs> I, I will, well, I will take actually. I, I reckon take, that uh, let's crack a deal in the derby. In the derby. Let's crack a deal. Number four at not at nine dollars. Into very elegant at eleven. That, that's about a hundred bucks. Very good with your maths. Well, just stay tuned while uh, while we talk amongst yourselves while we get that up there. What are you working that on out on, mate? Your um, your calculator down there. No, that's good. Let's crack a deal into very elegant. Is that what you yes, said? Yes, please. Are they uh, painted on, mate? Those little things. Um, that multi's up to ninety nine dollars, Shane. So what? Like ten go. on that. Ten at ninety nine. Mm. Good. Very good, Tex. Let's wrap up with tweeters of the week. Now, Shano, all the tweeters that came through on Saturday night, where did they tweet to? At the Coach and Tex. And what a fine job they did. They did, mate. It was, um, there was a flurry, particularly after the short man went hard early um, around welcome to country and how shit Richmond were and they were going to choke on the big stage and other bits and pieces like that. It's all, all got a bit monotonous for a few of them. Mm. Um, so much so that I wanted to make a special mention to a couple of fellow loyal Tiger supporters. So Paul from Hatcheck one, mate. Um, he's still down at Oxford Street, mate. Has been since, um, since um, Saturday night. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's no more, no more production at Wetherill Park as a result, <laughs> mate. He's uh, been MIA for, for about three days. Um, Another person. Now, now, who, which jockey did they call the pumper? Jimmy, Jimmy Cassidy. Cassidy. Correct. Well, there's another pumper. 
Um, one Ian Pumper, who, who sent us a beautiful email uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, a very loyal Richmond supporter. Now, um, a play on words, I suspect he is in orbit after that magnificent victory from Richmond on the weekend. And a big shout out to the Pumps, mate, because he was very kind, gave us some nice words about um, the, the podcast in general, but a little bit scathing about, A, one particular person's opinion about Richmond, and B, their punting form. Um, so he, I think he said he had bowling figures that were better than, than your punting form as well, mate, at zero for 23. So um, just a shout-out to a couple of boys. And did you see the turtle sticker? That one I of did, our, yes, um, I did. I did. did. You did, mate. And that, now, that, that came from the sand roper um, down in your neck of the woods, Tex. Allegedly walked. And um, and there was a nice, dare I say it, four wheel drive parked in the driveway. It wouldn't be a European vehicle, mate. If it was um, someone who had a turtle sticker, let me give you the tip. It was probably a, a high ace or something like that that had that turtle sticker on there. But magnificent, again, good spotting from the sand groper. He has been a little bit active um, on Twitter, and um, he 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 thought we were a bit stiff not to win the podcast of the year award. Uh, he suggested to me, though, that we, we perhaps go in the draft and look for some other participants, oh, Shane. He was happy really? with you and I. Just sorry, mate, to, wait, to wake you up there, mate. <laughs> well, it is 2 it is to 12 at night. It trans- is time for bed. Transfixed. <laughs> <laughs> now, these gremlins have been playing with us all night, Tex. Um, it's, it's almost like they're sending us a message. Did you? Speaking of messages, did you get any from any of your tweeters about your tipping? And, and wanting to – did Mr. Beanbag give you any tips around the Melbourne Cup? Who to go around, who to go through? No, he, he hasn't He hasn't put a stake in the ground yet for the Melbourne Cup. He gave me some friendly advice for the Cox Plate, which was Probabil and Arcadia Queen, but he hasn't come clean with his thoughts on the race that stops a nation just yet. And the Duchess of – I was going to say the Duchess of Kent, but it's the Duchess of Brighton, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Missing in action as well? Missing in action. Well, but I tell you what, now that I've heard that the shops are about to reopen, the uh, gross domestic product could be just spiked through the roof. Old treasurer Josh Frydenberg, mate, you'll have to readjust the scale for the spending when the Duchess opens the wallet over at Chatty. (laughs) Well, I was going to say the Louis Vuitton um, store will be um, under the pump big time, mate. Unbelievable. Um, The Bowie boy, mate, he's gone missing. No, he's come after me today. He's he's he might have been on one of his Vispana mindful retreats, but he's come back and mm, he hasn't missed me either. He's taken to me with a big stick. Has he? And what about Ron Forrest? Um, <laughs> I would have thought he'd be he'd be due, mate. I thought he might have wanted to say a few things after after his beloved Lions um, um, strayed. Uh, actually, hasn't he been known to log into your LinkedIn site on occasion there? Shana? Everyone does, Turtle. You know that. I, I, I well, after those live reads. I was going to say, after those. Speaking uh, of followers, what about Mick, the, the bus driver? I was just going to say, now that it um, looks like the Metro and Regional Victorian Ring is being disbanded, rumour has it that Mick, the bus driver, has been playing the spoons in the main street of Bendigo, just ready to welcome in the, the Metro Melbourne guests. And he's collected many a coin, apparently, in his little tin. Mm. Now, um, 
maybe he can come down for the big um, Christmas party that we'll have for all of our um, our listeners. So the big news is we're going to take a couple of weeks. We need to all simmer down. Tex, <laughs> you've, you've had enough about talking about Richmond culture and, and things like that. So you want to regather yourself. Um, as as I understand, and then and then we'll be back in a couple of weeks. We'll we'll wrap up the trade period. Um, how Richmond have been going and celebrating their uh, their premiership success as they plan for um, what what do you call it, mate? The greatest team in history if they win next year. Just about they they'll be on the they're on the journey to greatness, but they may well arrive if they can win it again. I said to Junior Texina on the weekend, I if I was a mobile phone, I'd have one bar left. I need a bit of time out just to plug myself into the Arlec charger and freshen up, recharge re, re, re the batteries, and uh, we'll be back in, <laughs> back in a couple of weeks. Be like Damien Harwick, mate. Recharge no, yourself and ready for twenty twenty one. Yeah. Well, that's when we'll find out how we've been, uh, whether we've been successful or not in this Melbourne Cup betting, um, the trade period, as we say, and um, anything else, um, sporting action as as things start to open up. So, boys, it's been magnificent. It's the end of the footy. In fact, that's what we'll do. We'll also review the time capsule from our opening episode around our you know biggest improver and uh, the story of the year and. Um, the biggest slider, and I, I think I might have. I, I think I might have won on all of them, Tex. Uh, it pretty much sums up the year. Congra- I won. Congratulations again, Shane, on your award. I won. And uh, Turtle, I won. Well done to Richmond. Uh, congratulations to all involved at the club, and well done, Basher, on a great career. Good afternoon, <laughs> good evening, and good night. And 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 before you go out, mate. Um, so you're in for November. Uh, I'll get back to you. Oh, oh, my goodness. I'm in, Shano. What about well, you? It's one in all in, mate. So, yeah. yeah. Magnificent. We'll register the coach and text. We can show the progress. It'll be magnificent. So, actually, when we're, when we're on our next episode, it'll be halfway through November, mate. So, it'll be magnificent. You're going to look a treat, mate. <laughs> mm. Carry right. on. Thank you very much. Carry on, boys. Good luck. All the best. Away from Tiger Land, a fighting fury. We're from Tiger Land. In any weather, you will see us with a grin, risking head and skin. If we're behind, then never mind. We'll fight and fight and win. For we're from Tiger Land. We never weaken till the final siren's gone. Like the tiger of.